the back of your bulletin, or it can be found on the screen. Uh, after the two days, Jesus departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they too had gone to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. So Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him, and he told him, and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he himself believed, and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. The word of the Lord. Well, it was Patriots Day, 2006, April 17, when I stood on the starting line in Boston for the Boston Marathon with 20,000 of my friends. <laughs> Called the People's Olympics, it's an opportunity for the ordinary Joe to get a chance to run in an elite event. And I had failed several times trying to qualify and finally had qualified, and so this was my shot to run the Boston Marathon. You may think that Boston is a young man's game, but the average age of the participant is actually 41. And you may wonder, why is it so old? Well, <laughs> I'm saying it's time to cheat. For an elite athletic event. Because Boston is basically a suffer fest. That's what it is. It's about learning endurance and long-suffering and patience. And so I was lucky enough to qualify and to be one of the participants. Well, they're participants in the Boston Marathon, but they're also spectators. Uh, Patriots Day is a state holiday in Massachusetts, so nobody works, and everybody turns out to see the Boston Marathon. It's eight people deep for 26 miles, and the, ch and the cheering is unbelievable. You go through these various towns, and each town has its own character, and then you run through the uh, colleges, Boston College, and you've got a bunch of drunk frat guys <laughs> cheering you on. And then there was this strange time I was running, and I, and I heard a sound that I could only describe as shrieking. It was like a, a cohort of banshees were cheering on uh, the, the, the race. It was the girls from Wellesley College who were shrieking at an unbelievably high rate. In fact, they, they would kiss you if you got near uh, enough to them. I, of course, was suffering and a happily married man, so I received no kisses from the Wellesley girls. Well, I finished Boston, and all around the, uh, the finish line, you had just thousands upon thousands of spectators who were cheering you on. It's a great race with spectators and participants. I don't know if you remember the tragedy in 2013 when spectators became participants, not in a race, 
but in a race of life and death. I'm talking about the bombing at the Boston uh, Marathon, when all of a sudden people were thrust into becoming participants in this race of life and death. You know, life is kind of like that. You're a spectator. You have a friend who loses a job, and you're trying to console them and encourage them. And then all of a sudden, you get a call to come into the office. And lo and behold, you become from a spectator to a participant. Or you have a friend who has a medical issue, and you're encouraging them and, and consoling them. And then all of a sudden, you get a phone call from the doctor, and you're thrust in from being a spectator to a participant. This story is all about a spectator becoming a participant. You see, this official was a spectator, and then his son became sick, and he became a participant in the race of life and death. He had to exercise faith and to trust in Jesus. For you see, you cannot encounter Jesus without faith. The road to life starts at the door of faith. And so we're going to examine what this man did as he became a participant in this race of faith. Because faith is three things. Number one, faith is the courage to come, to get off the sidelines and to come to Jesus. Number two, faith is the courage to trust, to hear Jesus, and to take him at his word. And then finally, faith is the courage to go, to respond to what Jesus tells you to do. Faith is the courage to come, to trust, and to go. For the road to life starts at the door of faith. So let's examine these points. Number one, faith is the courage to come. Jesus has come to Cana in Galilee. You don't know anything about the topography of Israel. There's a Judea and Jerusalem is down more toward the bottom of the, of the, uh, uh, the nation. And then there's Samaria in the middle. And then Galilee is up at the top where... Uh, Jesus was born, Nazareth, Cana, Capernaum, all there. Jesus has, was in the Passover feast in Jerusalem where he performed many signs and miracles. And then he went through Samaria where he met the woman at the well. I preached on this a couple of weeks ago. And now he's back in the northern part of, of uh, the nation. He's in Galilee. It says in John 4.43, after two days in Samaria, he departed for Galilee. And then it says something interesting. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honor in his own hometown. Jesus knows that he's going back to Galilee, and he's not going to be received with the honor that, uh, that, that he is supposed to have. He's not going to be received as Savior and Messiah. And so, as it said in verse 45, so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. It's interesting that they welcomed him, but they didn't worship him. See, they knew Jesus was important, but they were not ready to believe he was Savior. They saw him more as a magician than a Messiah. See, they were spectators and not participants. But then this official comes from Capernaum, which is about 20 miles away. We don't know much about him aside from that he's an official. Because he's an official, a Roman official, he would be wealthy. He would have people underneath him. He would have resources. And yet he is desperate, for his son is dying. We don't know how long his son has been uh, in, 
trouble. Perhaps this man has spent lots of quantities of money trying to get the best medical care, but nothing has worked. And so in verse 47, we see that this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, and he went to him, and he asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Why did he come to Jesus? Because he needed God to intervene. He needed a miracle. This official was no mere spectator. No, he had become a participant. And what is Jesus' response to the official in verse 48? So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And this you is actually in the plural. Jesus is speaking to the community. And he's rebuking them for not believing that he is the Christ. It's like he's almost testing this man. This man says, come down. I need you. And Jesus says, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. In other words, man, are you asking me as a magician or as the Messiah? Are you a spectator? Are you a participant? The man's response, Sir, come down before my child dies. He's not put off by Jesus' rebuke. No, he's exercising a reckless, trusting faith in Jesus' abilities. See, that's why he's traveled these 20 miles. He basically put all his chips on the fact, the hope, that Jesus can heal his son. See, he may not know everything about Jesus, but he knows that Jesus is enough. He's a participant, not a spectator. And do you see the difference between the two? To a spectator, Jesus is a curiosity. But to the official, he's a matter of life and death. A spectator has no need of Jesus, but an the official has all the need of Jesus in the world. The spectator has no faith, but the official has faith. And so what is faith? Faith means to keep on asking, while disbelief means to never ask at all. This man is not leaving until Jesus comes with him, for his son's life depends on it. Well, what about us? We live in a culture of spectating, don't we? Not much participating, lots of spectating regarding God. God performed for us. We're looking to receive a feeling from God rather than to exercise faith. All too often we're looking for a magician and not the Messiah. The question is, do we have the boldness to step off the sideline and to become a participant? participant? The boldness to come to Christ and say, come into my life. I need you. I have to have you. I remember I was driving along on Route 64 going from Charlottesville to uh, Stanton. And uh, there was a car in front of me. And as I was driving, this car started to swerve to the left, uh, drift to the left, almost like the person was falling asleep. And they came to, and they, he jerked his, or she, uh, I can't even remember, jerked their car to the right and went all rapidly across the road and went down the embankment and hit a guardrail, and the car flipped over right in front of me. And I was shell-shocked. All of a sudden, I was simply a spectator watching, and I became a participant as I pulled my car over. And this car was, uh, the wheels were still spinning, and gasoline was pouring out. 
Luckily, the windows had been blasted open. And so I helped these people crawl out from under uh, in their car to get out. Uh, the, the car never blew, but I remember uh, pulling them out and helping with them and then just being on the side of the road, sort of shell-shocked until, until the, uh, uh, the police and other people got there. See, I was just a spectator, but I had been thrust into the game. I became a participant, much like this man. See, we have to ask our que the question, who is Jesus to you and me? Perhaps you've heard of him. And you've come, and you welcome him, but you don't worship him. Instead, you, you take the position of a spectator, a doubting Thomas, if you will. When I see his side, and I can put my fingers in his hands and his side, when I see a miracle, then I will believe. And you're not serious about him. But the truth of the matter is Jesus will only be seen by those who need him and reach out to him in sincere faith. For the road to eternal life starts at the door of faith. How do we move from spectator to participant? Number one, we have to see the need. Who are you betting on? Or what are you betting your hopes and desires and dreams on? Is it on Jesus Christ, or is it on something or someone else? How bold are you willing to be? Are you willing to be like the official from Capernaum? Jesus, I need you. I'm not leaving until you come with me. How far are you willing to go? This man went 20 miles. How far are you willing to go? to have an audience with Jesus Christ. For faith is the courage to come, and the road to eternal life starts at the door of faith. And now, too, faith is the courage to trust. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. Not interesting, the man said, Come. Jesus said, go. The man wants Jesus' presence. And instead, Jesus gives him a promise. And the man has a decision to make. Do I start walking? Do I take Jesus at his word? Do I trust him? All he got is a word, a sentence. Oh, your son will live. Do I start walking? I mean, as soon as Jesus is out of sight, he's my only hope. It's not like there's the internet or something and I can find this man again. What does the official do? The man believed the word that Jesus spoke and went on his way. Faith is putting all of your hope on all of his hope. He couldn't see the miracle, but he believed. And so he started the 20 mile walking journey back to his home. What do you think those 20 miles are like? Wondering, is it true? Is my son going to live? Will he be healed as he went? This man trusted, and trust is where the rubber hits the road. We 
learn the scriptures that we walk by faith and not by sight. And one thing you will learn as you become a Christian and spend a life following Christ is that Jesus never responds in the way that we want him to. <laughs> Jesus has his own plan. But Jesus always seems to us to be late and he's always on time. Right? Jesus commands this person though. Go. It's a command in Greek. The question is, will we obey? See, everybody has a burden of fruit with Jesus. The people there in the town, their burden of fruit was impossibly high. Show me a miracle. Show me something outstanding, and then I will believe. But what was the burden of proof for this man? It was the word of Jesus. Go. The son will live. Each one of us has a burden of truth in Jesus Christ. Is, is it impossible? When I see a miracle, I'll believe. Jesus wants us to trust his word. But we don't want to believe. We want to bargain. Right? But you see, here's the truth. We're just like that man. That man received the word for Jesus Christ, and he responded with obedience and faith. Well, we receive the word of Jesus Christ as well, haven't we? We have God's word that has God's promises and God's commands. And the question is, what's our burden of proof? Will we take it at face value and trust and obey, for there is no other way? Or will we instead see, simply be spectators and not participants? I don't know if you've heard the name Ernest Shackleford before. Ernest is very famous. He was a British polar explorer, one of those guys' guys who explored the North Pole and the South Pole. And he was putting together an expedition. And to recruit the crew of the a British Imperial Transarctic Expedition, which would sail aboard the ship called the Endurance, it is said that Shackleford posted the following notice in the paper. Men wanted the hazardous journey. Small wages, Bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful, <laughs> honor and recognition in case of success. He said that he had to turn away men this journey. Twenty-seven men said, I will follow you. They had the courage to trust in a man's and the truth of the matter is we trust in men all the time and put our trust in things that cannot support or guarantee us. But Jesus has also put out an advertisement that says, trust my words. I will lead you to life. So what's the burden of proof? Are you going to take it as word or not? We all are in crisis at some time or another. Am I going to put all of my weight, all of my support on Jesus Christ in my time of crisis? Am I going to believe his words? I will be with you to the end of the age. Jesus says in Philippians 4.19, And my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Do we really believe that? We must take him at his word. We must put our weight 
on his promises. Enter the advertising. Trust him. And we need each other to go together. But faith is the courage to come, and faith is the courage to trust. Go to eternal starts at the door of faith. Well, faith is the courage to trust. Faith is the courage to come. Faith is also the courage to go. And he did go. He walked by faith 20 miles. In fact, it wasn't until the next day when he actually found out with what, what, whether Jesus, what he said was true or not. And the servants met him on the way. And they validated the point when this man, when, when his son became well, when it was one o'clock, the very time that Jesus had said that he would be well. And it says that the man believed in all his household. Now he believed before, right? He believed Jesus. So what's different believing this time? See, he no longer believed in the promise of Jesus Christ. He believed in Jesus Christ himself. See, in the beginning, it was simply a transaction. Jesus, help me. But as Jesus was faithful, this blossomed into a relationship that this man had with Jesus Christ. It blossomed into worship. It wasn't as much anymore about what he can do as who he is. His welcome had turned into worship. How do you think the official dealt with future crisis in his life? Because I'm sure there are other crises that came up, right? Must have been Jesus, you're with me. Just like you were with me that first time. See, we can trust Jesus Christ. We can, because we're in a relationship with him. Before we ever traveled 20 miles to see Jesus Christ, Jesus traveled an infinite distance to bridge the gap between you and me. All the way to the cross. Jesus demonstrated his love and faithfulness to us by living a perfect life and by dying a gruesome sacrificial death that we would know that he loves us, that he will never leave us or heal and he will never forsake us. He has sealed the promises of his word in his blood. The miracle in the end of the story is not the child. The miracle is the changed heart of this man. And so to follow Christ, we have to go. We have to walk by faith. Jesus says, I will be with you. I don't know how long you are in your journey as a believer. One year. 20 years, 30 years. The challenges seem to get harder and harder. But as you trust and go, something happens. Your faith becomes deeper. Your peace becomes stronger. Your confidence becomes higher. If you are not a Christian yet, I would encourage you to start the journey. Step off the sidelines. Become a participant. Come to Jesus Christ. Trust in his word. And go obey him. Trust Christ with your life. If you are a Christian, you have the very words and promises of God 
and they are stronger than the foundation on which we stand right now. So trust and obey. Live out this faith. Let's do it together as we come, as we trust, and as we go. The road to eternal life starts at the door of faith. We're all at that starting point, and the pistol is about to go off. So let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus Christ, the author and protector of our faith. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that in your word you've shown yourself faithful a thousand times. And in our life you've shown yourself faithful again and again and again. We can come to you with all of our doubts, with all of our difficulties, with all of our hopes and dreams. Your shoulders are broad enough to carry them all. So give us the courage to come. Give us the courage to trust in your word. And give us the courage to walk and go in obedience and faith knowing that you are with us and that you will never leave us or forsake us. We give you all glory and honor and praise for your worthy. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now is, uh, we will worship through our offering. Uh, we don't pass a plate. Rather, we have our offering plates outside. Um, and if you want to give your offering to Redeemer, Presbyterian, you can do so after the service on the way out uh, after the service. If you're new to Redeemer, don't feel compelled uh, by me in any way to give. Uh, the Lord wants a cheerful gift. We're just glad that you're here with us today. Let me pray for our offering. God, I pray that you use this offering to strengthen your church uh, and all of the ministries that we support, the works of mercy and justice that we do, that your name would be honored, that you would be made